0: Section 16 of The Cambridge Modern History, Volume 1 The Renaissance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 5 Florence, 1 Savonarola by E. Armstrong. Part 1 had girolamo savonarola died before the french invasion of fourteen ninety four he would scarcely have been distinguished above other missionary friars who throughout the fifteenth century strove faithfully to revive the flagging religion of italy the french king and the italian dominican were poles asunder in character and aims yet their fortunes were curiously linked on charles the eighth's first success savonarola became a personage in history and his own fate was sealed by the frenchman's death the friar's public career was very short less than four years in all but apostle of peace as he was it was a truceless war nor did the grave bring peace savonarola's ashes were cast into the running arno yet they seemed to be burning still twenty years after his death the old passions which his life had fired blazed up in florence yet more fiercely his followers held the town against pope and emperor without against medician and aristocrat within until this very day catholics and protestants dominicans and jesuits men of spiritual and men of secular temperament fight over savonarola's memory with all the old zest of the last decade of the fifteenth century san bernardino and savonarola were both missionary friars not half a century divided them they made their homes in neighbour towns their objects were similar or the same neither could claim from the other the palm of personal holiness or unselfish sacrifice yet how very different were their ends how different their fate in after-history the impersonal symbol of the one the ihs is set in its blue and primrose disc as in a summer sundown the stern figure of the other grasping the crucifix stands out in its metal against a lowering sky rent by the sword of an avenging god why is the preacher of madcap Siena an admitted saint and why does the merest hint of the canonization of the evangelist of sober florence convert men of peace into fiery controversialists throughout western europe savonarola's early life was as uneventful as that of most preaching friars his grandfather a paduan was a physician of repute at the court of ferrara his father a nonentity even for the hagiologist his stronger characteristics have been attributed as is usual to his mantuan mother he thus had no inheritance in the keen rarefied air from the tuscan mountains which is believed to brace the intellect and add intensity to the imagination of the dwellers in the arno valley he was a child of the northeastern waterlands more sluggish in intellectual movement but swept from time to time by storms of passion girolamo refused to enter his grandfather's profession for which he was brought up he secretly left home to enter the order of st dominic at bologna he preached later at ferrara but was no prophet in his own country and was thence ordered to florence to join the convent of lombard dominican observantists who had been established by cosimo de medici in san marco successful in teaching novices he failed as a preacher until he found his natural gift of utterance among a more simple less critical congregation at san gimignano his reputation was made at brescia and it is noticeable that in both these cases the fire of eloquence was kindled by a spirit of prophecy the people were spellbound by the denunciation of wrath to come when he returned to florence he stood on a different plane. The Florentines always gave a warm welcome to a reputation. In the following year, 1491, he was elected prior of San Marco. As this convent was under the peculiar patronage of the ruling house of Medici, Savonarola was in a position to become a leader of Florentine opinion the character of the new prior had hitherto offered more features of interest than his career he had been an unattractive unchildlike child shunning his playmates poring over books often far beyond his years he had no love for pleasure for which ferrara and its rulers lived there is a tale that he was once taken to the palace and would never again cross its threshold his peculiar characteristic was an overpowering sense of sin a conviction of the wickedness of the world and more especially of the church he must have seen the festivities which greeted Pius the second on his way to open the congress of mantua it may have struck the serious child that they ill accorded with the sacred object of the congress the crusade against the infidel but after all the court of pious the was relatively decent at all events in the most youthful of savonarola's writings is expressed a loathing for the court of rome a belief that throughout all italy and above all at rome virtue was spent and vice triumphant the tribute which solitude exacts from those who court her is an abnormal consciousness of self in girolamo's letter to his father excusing his flight from home he urges that he at least must save himself in his boyish poetical tirade against the papacy it is he who must break the wings of the foul bird in praying for a new passage across the red sea his own soul must traverse the waves which flow between the egypt of sin and the promised land of righteousness in the conventual life of the fifteenth century absolute segregation was fortunately impossible savonarola's latent sympathies were awakened by contact with his fellows he had the gift of teaching younger men he was a good master occasionally in his later sermons he would inveigh against the futility of human knowledge he would cry that a little old woman who held the faith knew more than did aristotle and plato nevertheless he was convinced of the merits of education of the power of human reasoning reason justified his flying from his home reason supported his attack upon astrology his own prophecies found their proof in reason his farewell letter to his father had concluded with the plea that his little brother might be taught in order not to waste his time hereafter he was to urge the florentines to have their children taught the art of grammar and that by good masters the old-fashioned scholastic dialectics in which the dominicans were trained were to savonarola a real vehicle of thought to the last he was always thinking putting everything to the test of his own judgment page upon page of his sermons form one long argument savonarola was in fact eminently argumentative if the coarse and tightly compressed lips betokened obstinacy and self-assertion sympathy shone in the expressive eyes savonarola held his audience with his eyes as well as with his voice the small plain-featured lombard with the awkward gestures and the ill-trained voice was early loved in florence by those who knew him impatient of indifference or opposition his sympathy readily went out to those who welcomed him, expanding into a yearning love for Florence, his adopted city, and her people. Sympathy and self-assertion are perhaps the two keys to his character and his career. Until Savonarola steps into the full light of history, the tales told by his early biographers must be received with caution the temptation to exaggerate and antedate is with hagiologists and martyrologists of all ages irresistible the atmosphere of asceticism favours imagination and the houses of the great religious orders were natural forcing beds for legends relating to their members such legends serving to edification will be welcome to all but dry historians who are more perplexed by the unconscious exaggerations of devotees than by the deliberate falsehoods of opponents savonarola's party in 1497 destroyed the heads of the medician group after the medician restoration of 1512 his name was indelibly stamped on the popular cause which had been overthrown above all his name became a watchword during the passionate struggle of the second republic what then was more natural than to represent him as from the moment of his settlement in florence promoting opposition to the medici the stories of his attitude of independence or incivility towards lorenzo may or may not be true the sermon which he preached before the signoria on april ninety one has been regarded as an attack upon the medici it is rather an academic lecture upon civic justice which might have been appropriately preached before any european magistracy had the friar been the recognized opponent of the ruling house he would not have been invited to address the signoria the creatures of the medici lorenzo at the request as it is said of pico della mirandola had summoned him back to florence without lorenzo's favour he would scarcely have been elected prior lorenzo was all-powerful both at rome and milan a word from him would have relegated the preacher against tyranny to a distant lombard convent for savonarola's independence at this period there are two scraps of personal evidence on march 10. 1491. He wrote to his friend, Fra Domenico, that magnates of the city threatened him with the fate of San Bernardino of Feltre, who had been expelled. He added, however, that Pico della Mirandola was a constant attendant at his sermons and had subsidized the convent. Now, Pico was one of Lorenzo's most intimate friends. In his last sermon on March 18, 1498, savonarola stated that lorenzo sent five leading citizens to dissuade him as of their own accord from his prophetic utterances he replied that he knew from whom they came let them warn lorenzo to repent of his sins for god would punish him and his he the alien friar would stay while lorenzo the citizen and first of citizens would have to go For this tale there are several good authorities, though the sermon may be their common source. Guicciardini, the best of them, omits the friar's reply. It is certain that Lorenzo took no further measures. The chronicler, Ceretani, expressly affirms that, while Lorenzo lived, Savonarola was entirely quiet. It is well known that Lorenzo summoned the Dominican to his deathbed at Careggi this has been represented by modern writers as though it had been a strange and sudden thought the result of an agony of repentance but no act could have been more natural savonarola was now without question the greatest preacher in the city he was prior of lorenzo's own convent in the garden of which he often walked the rival divine fra mariano da genazzano was not in florence Lorenzo with all his faults was no lost soul he had a singularly sympathetic nature he was keenly alive to religious as to all other influences whom should he better call from florence to careggi than the friar whom he had brought back from lombardy the details of the deathbed scene as related by the dominican biographers are difficult to accept they rest on third-hand authority contain inherent improbabilities and are contradicted by contemporary evidence both direct and indirect neither in savonarola's writings nor in the letters of lorenzo polician or Ficino, nor in the dispatches of ambassadors is there any statement as to the dominican's alleged hostility to the powers that be among his devotees were numbered lorenzo's two chief confidants pico and pandolfini his friend and teacher marsilio Ficino, the favorite painter botticelli and the youthful michelangelo who had lived in the medici palace almost as a son giovanni da prato vecchio the financial adviser who did much to make the medician administration unpopular with the masses was savonarola's personal friend later writers living under the terrorism of a restoration neglected distinctions between the stages of medician rule but contemporaries drew a strong line between the veiled and amiable despotism of lorenzo and the overt tyranny of his son the young piero they said was no medici no florentine born as he was of an orsini mother and wedded to an orsini wife his manners were orsini manners his bearing was that of an insolent campagna lordling with some of the purely intellectual gifts of his father's house he inherited none of its capacity for rule none of the sympathy which attracted the men of culture and the men of toil none of the political courage which could avert or brave a crisis savonarola's future foe was a brutal athlete who had angered his father by his youthful brawls who in guicciardini's phrase had found himself at the death of a man or two by night he and his disreputable train would all day long play ball in the streets of florence neglecting the business of the state disturbing the business of the city the weakness of the medician system stood confessed an accepted monarchy may survive a weak and wicked ruler but the medici had no constitutional position and were unprovided with props to a tottering throne or with barriers to keep the crowd away their power rested only upon personal influence upon the interests of a syndicate of families on the material welfare of the middle classes and the amusement of the lower even without the catastrophe of the french invasion piero's government must have come crashing down from the outset of medician rule there had been a seesaw between monarchy and oligarchy the ring of governmental families had admitted not without some rubs the superiority of lorenzo they showered upon piero his father's honors but were not prepared to concede his power the ruling party began to split the bureaucratic section the secretaries the financial officials necessarily stood by the ostensible government and owing to the traditional maladministration of police and finance determined popular feeling in its disfavor the leading medician families the younger branch of the house and the rucellai and soderini connected with it by marriage began to shadow forth an opposition it might seem as if savonarola must now have chosen his side but of this there is little sign ceretani relates that the heads of the opposition fully conscious of his power over the people tried to win him but completely failed savonarola himself has absolutely stated that he took no part in politics until after piero's fall in his sermons there is a passage against princes but it was a cap that would fit royal heads of all shapes and sizes and was intended if for any in particular for those of the rulers of naples and milan in fourteen ninety two and fourteen ninety three savonarola was much away in lombardy it has been assumed that he was removed from florence by piero's influence but of this there is no evidence savonarola's journeys were in full accordance with the usual practice of his order on his return piero energetically aided his endeavor to separate the tuscan dominican convents of stricter observance from the lombard congregation to which they had previously been united the effect of this separation would be to confine savonarola's activity to tuscany and thus to give him permanent influence at florence savonarola's chief if not his only desire was to restore the convents over which he already exercised a personal influence to the poorer and simpler life of the order as founded by st dominic it is a libel to suggest that he had ulterior political motives the separation of san marco which had been definitely refounded within the century as a member of the lombard congregation was a strong measure which cast reflection on the discipline of the parent body the governments of milan and venice resisted the separation which piero warmly advocated savonarola became for the moment a figure of diplomatic importance alexander the sixth declared himself against the separation but the story goes that when the consistory had separated The cardinal of naples playfully drew the signet ring from the pope's finger and sealed the brief which he held in readiness piero's action makes it impossible to believe that savonarola had assumed the role of a leader of political opposition the only existing letter from the friar to piero expresses warm gratitude for his aid nevertheless the perpetual prophecies of impending trouble did undoubtedly contribute to political unrest and nearly ascribes piero's fall in some measure to his placing no check upon the friar's extravagant utterances at the moment of the french invasion september fourteen ninety four savonarola was no politician but a hard-working provincial throwing his heart into the reform of his new congregation this was no easy task for he was thwarted by the particularist traditions of the larger tuscan towns where the dominican convents resented subordination to that of the hated rival or mistress florence they would more willingly have obeyed a distant lombard provincial at siena savonarola's failure was complete the convent of st catherine's at pisa was only united after the expulsion of the majority of the friars the new congregation contained only some two hundred fifty members whereas at the recent chapter at san Miniato, more than a thousand franciscans had been gathered meanwhile all florence was entranced by the eloquence of the ferrarese friar what was the secret of his fascination it consisted partly in the contagious force of terror italy had long been conscious of her military weakness of her want of national unity for fifty years her statesmen had nervously played with or warded off invasion but as the century closed her generals were provoking the catastrophe disaster was in the air and this atmospheric condition at once created the peculiar quality of savonarola's eloquence and the susceptibility of his audience his confident forebodings gave definite expression to the terror which was in every heart terror of storm and sack of fierce foreign troopers who knew not the make-believe campaigns of italy of antiquated fortresses crumbling before the modern french artillery the audacious attack upon the ecclesiastical hierarchy also fell upon willing ears abuse of the clergy has always been popular even when ill-deserved but with much reason italy was ashamed of her priesthood and her pope the moral standard of the clergy was absolutely and not relatively lower than that of the laity in every town therefore savonarola's invectives might find a hearing but at florence the seed fell upon ground peculiarly well prepared florentine wickedness has often been painted in sombre colors to render her prophet's portrait more effective nothing can be more unjust more contradictory of savonarola's own utterances his permanent success was due to the moral superiority of florence over other italian capitals for him she was the navel and the watchtower of italy the sun from which reform should radiate the chosen city the new jerusalem florence was a sober god-fearing state after a somewhat comfortable material fashion there was much simplicity of life a simplicity observed by travellers down to the eighteenth century private letters and diaries which frankly relate such scandals as occur testify to this her art and literature at this period compare not unfavourably with those of modern days accusations when pressed home usually reduce themselves to the lewd carnival songs but the fetes of the city were altogether exceptional as a gross survival of medieval or pagan license florentines who were neither prudes nor prigs looked with horror on the corruption of the papal court lorenzo de medici could warn his young cardinal's son against this sink of iniquity the youthful guicciardini spoke of the simony at rome with all the disgust of a later lutheran and incidentally mentions the character of cardinal soderini as being respectable for a priest his father would not stain his conscience by making any one of his five sons a priest notwithstanding the rich benefices which awaited them the florentines had recently been shocked at their milanese visitors who ate meat in lent the rulers of florence had been religious men San Marco had long set the standard of religion, and the Medici were deeply interested in its future. Both Cosimo and Piero were men of piety, notwithstanding political finesse and occasional moral lapses. Lorenzo's mother was noted for her piety. Her spiritual songs are among the city's heirlooms. Lorenzo, whatever his backslidings, had the potentiality of a religious nature paganism unabashed found scant favour at florence platonism became a serious religion shaking off the slough of materialism and searching for union with christianity the whole city had worshipped sant antonino all upper-class florence had lately been moved by the eloquence of fra mariano da Genazzano, an eloquence indeed of the polished artificial type enhanced by cadence and gesture garnished with classical allusion and quotation yet this was the fashion of the day and in matters intellectual florence was at fashion's height the vices of florence were those of a rich commercial city extravagance in clothes and furniture in funerals and weddings young bourgeois might think the brothel and the tavern the antechambers of gentility men of all classes gambled and swore dowries were high and it was becoming difficult to marry yet in florentine society there was a healthy consciousness that all this was wrong and a predisposition in favour of any preacher who would say so savonarola's sympathetic nature when once he had learned his method and his manner touched this chord the very novelty of his style was a merit with the athens of the fifteenth century the florentines had forgotten the careful simplicity of san bernardino of siena his fond of anecdote and his playful humor preaching was either too classical or too grotesque fra mariano represented the former school and there are hints that savonarola's other rival fra domenico da ponzo the franciscan was an exponent of the latter the new preacher struck a middle note captivating florence by his directness his naturalness his fire he abandoned the artificial division of the sermon into parts a survival of the roman art of rhetoric his sermons are indeed lacking in composition mystical flights often soar far beyond the subject of discussion there are contradictions in his method which receive curious illustration from two facts of his early life letters exist from the learned garzoni of bologna which rally the youth on his revolt from the rules of Priscian. while his first teacher at florence lectured him on his excessive subtlety in argument and forced him to the simplicity which at the outset he exaggerated to a childlike yea and nay such contradictions are explained by the preacher's impressionable nature and this combined with his power of expression produced a contagious effect upon his audience a thorough dominican in his intellectual dialectic training and in the exposition of definite doctrine in his tracts his sermons have much of the franciscan style the spirit of prophecy linked him closely to the fraticelli of monte amiata the believers in abbot joachim and through them to the half-religious half-political extravagances of rienzi in the second stage of his development as we look forwards it seems rather the apocalyptic preachers of early anabaptism that have a right to claim him as a precursor than the lutheran divines his enemies actually accused him of holding the fraticelli doctrine of spiritual poverty this he directly denied but he approached perilously near wycliffe's theory of the dominion of grace which was in popular estimation nearly akin to it so again though a trained aristotelian and thomist he was in feeling a platonist he employed his aristotelian method in the exposition of the relation between the upper and the lower worlds this mystical quality won him the early favor of the neoplatonists pico marsilio ficino and others of lorenzo's circle on the other hand he could employ the devices by which popular preachers fixed the attention of their congregation his flights of eloquence were varied by homely dialogues with god or angels with imaginary enemies or timid friends above all he knew his bible by heart and next only to this aquinas from the bible he always took his start and to it he ever led his hearers back this it is which gives the peculiar tone to the religion of the piagnoni which carries the reader from the benches of san marco to the galloway hillside the residuum of old-fashioned simplicity in florence favored his desire to simplify not only private but religious life the fifteenth century was everywhere marked by magnificence in ecclesiastical externals investments and jewels in banner picks and crucifix in chapels built or restored by private families with portraits frescoed and arms embossed upon their walls church music had been elaborated the organist had become a personage and might aspire to be a knight weary men repaired to the cathedral not to worship but to be soothed by the music of orcagna the greatest executant of his day against these jewels and broad phylacteries against the monuments of family pride against the substitution of sound for praise savonarola repeatedly inveighed. one of his few humorous passages describes the solo singer with a voice like a calf while the choir howled round him like little dogs none understanding what they meant His readers can still picture the abuses of society at church, the rows of gallants lining the nave, the ladies in their lowest and longest gowns filing between them, lending ear to unseemly jests and doubtful compliments. Savonarola would have none of this. In church or in street processions, he kept the sexes separate. After Lorenzo's death, savonarola's sermons became more outspoken they were not as yet political but two constant features might easily assume a political complexion the one the invectives against the church the other the prophecy of immediate doom the two were in close connection not only the neapolitan exiles but alexander the sixth's enemy the cardinal della rovere had taken refuge in france the french invasion therefore was aimed not only at the king of naples but also at the pope whose simoniacal election and scandalous life added fuel to the fire of savonarola's diatribe for charles the eighth naples should be the stepping-stone to the recovery of jerusalem so too savonarola had fondly dreamed that the reform of the tuscan congregation should be the pathway to the possession of the holy sepulchre the objects of the french invader and the dominican reformer seemed identical their enemies the same within florence too the threatened invasion might well give a political bearing to savonarola's utterances piero deserting the traditions of his house had abandoned the milanese alliance the keystone of its policy he had flouted the friendship of france the gulfic ally of centuries under orsini influence he had flung himself into the arms of the king of naples the great medician families resented this light-of-love diplomacy and clung to the milanese alliance the populace hated the neapolitan dynasty after having endured its cruelty as an enemy and its insolence as a friend the whole town disliked and feared the armed opposition to the formidable hosts of france what then was more natural than that florence should turn to savonarola for his guidance here was the very terror from the north which he had predicted the sword that should strike the earth and that quickly the chastisement that should purge italy of sin and then renew the world who could so well conjure the phantom as he by whom it had been raised the french had now crossed the apennines and were besieging the strong florentine fortress of sarzana before piero set out on his fateful journey to the french king discontent found expression in the very seventy the stronghold of medician power diplomacy had been the palladium of the medici lorenzo knew this when he made his perilous voyage to cajole the king of naples piero knew it when in conscious imitation he slipped away to meet the king of france before sarazana he wrote himself that he was being dragged to sacrifice lorenzo's success had saved the dynasty and piero's failure lost it a crushing defeat could have sacrificed no more with the fortresses of sarzana pietra santa pisa and leghorn in french hands florence herself lay at the mercy of charles high and low scorned this base surrender by one who had no commission from the state piero's cowardice gave courage to his opponents hitherto they had stammered and stuttered in criticizing his proposals Now in his absence they sent envoys to the french camp on the morning after his return the very magistrates picked from the adherents of the house shut the wicket of the palazzo publico in his face as he rode sullenly homewards the crowd shook their caps at him the boys pelted the uncrowned king with stones and insulted him with catcalls his adherents of the lower class soon melted from his side from the palace windows issued cries of people and liberty from the piazza were brandished nondescript weapons long hung up to rust Paolo orsini piero's cousin was at the gates with five hundred horse but he perceived that the game was up and piero fled the dynasty of four generations had fallen without stroke of sword. Piero's young brother, the Cardinal Giovanni, alone showed courage. He rode towards the palace, but the crowd pushed him back. Landucci saw him at his window on his knees, with his hands clasped in prayer. Quote, I was much moved and judged that he was a good young man and of good understanding. End quote. A little later and the future leo X likewise fled disguised as a franciscan friar florence had let slip the really dangerous member of his house for whom aristocrats and rabble saints and sinners piagnoni and arrabbiati were to prove no match piero had in the first instance been resisted not by the democracy but by the aristocracy by malcontent members of the medician ring young jacopo nerli had closed the palace door in piero's face yet jacopo's brothers had dedicated the editio princeps of homer printed at their expense to piero as a boy a few of the local medicians fled the others with the veteran statesman bernardo del nero bowed to the storm to the conquerors the spoils the aristocrats intended to replace the rule of a single house by an oligarchy of a group of houses but the people were excited they sacked the medici palace ably assisted by french officers already in the town on the improbable pretext that the medici bank owed them money the mob then burnt and plundered the houses of piero's financial agents but were drawn away to the piazza where all ranks were shouting people and liberty lungs pay no bills and thus coinage and taxation are apt to be the first victims of revolution the aristocrats felt obliged to make popular concessions francesco gualterotti an ardent sabonarolist to the end sprang on the Ringhiera, the platform projecting from the palace and on the signoria's authority declared the white farthings withdrawn from circulation these white farthings the woods halfpence of the medician dynasty had been issued to replace a medley of base and foreign coins of varying value but the state made its profit for all duties had to be paid in the new coinage which stood to the black farthings in the relation of five to four Nevertheless, the mob was still idle and therefore dangerous. Shops and factories were closed. The artisans restlessly roamed the streets. The French officers were chalking the doors for quarters. Unmarried girls were being hurried off to distant convents or country cousins. Prophecy seemed nearing its fulfillment. Why should men work when either the millennium the cataclysm was upon them savonarola was not in florence when piero was expelled he was chosen on november five as one of the envoys who were sent to the french king at pisa this was his entrance into history it may seem surprising that he should have been elected yet a better choice could scarcely have been made piero Capponi, one of the leading aristocrats had proposed him because the people loved him and would have confidence in his embassy no envoy could be more acceptable to charles the eighth whose easy victories he had foretold whom he had set on high as the chosen instrument of god errands of peace had long been among the express functions of the friars for two centuries past they had reconciled house and house and town and town during the cruel conflicts by which italy had been rent it seemed natural enough that the dominican should accompany the heads of the aristocracy in their mission for persuading charles to respect the liberties of florence and to abandon his intention of restoring piero savonarola now or later won the respect of the french king but his eloquence could not shake the resolution to make no terms except in the great city before charles the eighth moved up the arno two great events had befallen florence the medici had been expelled and pisa was in full revolt the lives of the florentine envoys and officials were in no small danger when charles the eighth at length entered florence savonarola seems to have taken no part in the negotiations the hero of the week was not the friar but the merchant statesman and soldier piero caponi who tore the draft of the shameful treaty in two before the french king's face crying blow your trumpets and we will clang our bells yet the ultimate conditions were sufficiently humiliating for all the florentine coast fortresses were left in french hands and the city was pledged to a huge subsidy she had however at least escaped the restoration of the medici although she was forced to withdraw the price upon their heads the main desire was to rid florence of her dangerous guests the treaty was signed on november twenty eight but on the twenty ninth charles showed no signs of stirring then it was that savonarola went to warn him that it was god's will that he should leave more efficacious perhaps were the arguments of the scotch general stuart d'aubigny who had led a french corps from the romagna into the Arno valley he very bluntly told the king that he was wasting time and that he must push on to naples thus on november thirty the french marched out To their host's infinite relief. End of section sixteen. Recording by Linda Johnson.